0: So we're going to work on find, find the five best. And I don't know if Eric Blum's playing like fetch with his dog or something, but anyway.
1: Uh, Dave Mack, go ahead.
2: All right, Eric Blum, go ahead. Holy cow. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, my dog decided it was time to play
0: right now. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune.
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me as always is my fellow Tribune sports writer, Langston Newsom. How are you doing,
1: Langston? Hey, doing exceptionally well and decided to talk some football.
2: Yeah, it's about time we kind of turn that corner for now. Uh, away from just the focusing on if we're going to have a season to now Mizzou's had three f- fall football practices. Uh, I guess two more scheduled the rest of this week. And, you know, it, 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 they have a full schedule out, not only for fall camp through the end of August, but we found out all of Mizzou's fall football schedule on Monday. And, yeah Langston do you want to break that down and uh take us through
1: what your thoughts were because I definitely have some thoughts but I want to hear yours first well first I just thought the entire rollout by the SEC on Monday was ridiculous (laughs) um it just means more uh just spending was four or five hours unveiling the entire schedules for all the SEC teams but you know Monday really gave us some insight to last week on the pod. We talked a little bit about, you know, coaches with the SEC getting a little bit upset with the SEC not providing insight to the formula or the decisions to add the extra two games now that the SEC is on a 10 game uh, conference schedule. And now we see why. You've got Alabama and LSU added for Missouri in the first two weeks. They open up the season. Alabama travels to Columbia, then Tennessee, and then Missouri travels down to Baton Rouge to take on LSU in week three. It's a, an incredible gauntlet to start um, Elijah, Dr- Elijah drinkowitz's career at Missouri. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, and I, and just to think about, you know,
2: how this season has gone for Missouri. Now it's like people are asking these players, like, does having Alabama as your opener, you know, change things? And uh, these players are being humble. No, we're still working on us right now. But once that flips, yeah, that that switch flips, man. Absolutely, it makes a difference. You're going from Central Arkansas as your season opener, and Vanderbilt as your conference opener, to Alabama as both the number three team in the country and probably pretty much the consensus pick to win the conference this year, coming to your backyard to start the season. It's crazy. And then, yes, as you mentioned, it's at Tennessee, at LSU, Vanderbilt at home for the homecoming game, October seventeenth, at Florida, October twenty fourth, Kentucky at home, then the bye week, Georgia at home at South Carolina, and the Missouri finishes with their two already scheduled SEC West opponents for 2020, home against Arkansas Thanksgiving weekend, and then finally Missouri's first-ever trip to Starkville ever to take on Mississippi State uh, on December 5th. This schedule as a whole is definitely way harder than last year, but, I mean, how much of a benchmark can you even set for Drinkwitz this year with everything going on with COVID and every change that's going on? This schedule, to me, just looks like an opportunity for Drinkwits. I think, I mean, both Vegas and the online betting sites have Missouri's over-under at three wins. Three out of a 10-game schedule. That's This is just an opportunity for Drinkwits because, to me, you have two games that are, would be disastrous if you don't win in Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Which means you need to take one of the next eight. One of the other eight. Mississippi State, I do think, is probably the third worst team in the conference this year despite having mike leach's head coach there's just too much turnover on that roster in my opinion that's not a that's a possible win missouri has trouble with kentucky south carolina all the time they take one of those you're at four right there at tennessee's a hard game and the rest are maybe out of reach for missouri so i mean getting over three is definitely not
1: impossible for this team at all yeah, I think for Missouri fans, especially early in the season and understanding everything that's happened with COVID and they're not being your non-conference games, which are really a way to, you know, kind of work things and see what your team's going to do together against live competitions before you get into the SEC schedule. As a, a Missouri fan, you have to take a step back. And if Missouri is one in three heading in to uh, Gainesville on October 24th, that's OK. It's completely understandable. Losing to alabama tennessee and lsu and really just a gauntlet to a begin the season and it really doesn't really start with the expectations for me personally um just being a reporter and watching the team vanderbilt is the is the game where okay that's the first must win you know you have to go out against vanderbilt and, and and beat them going into florida but if missouri is you know two and one you know heading into to vanderbilt that has to be a win for coach drink that would be
2: enormous. I mean, there's a legitimate thought they might be one in five at the break, you know, and that's losses to Kentucky, Florida, LSU, Tennessee, and Alabama, who are all expected to be, would have been bowl teams, you know, and and, and this is just like for for everybody in the SEC is like, oh, look at Missouri's schedule. That's the type of schedule Auburn plays or Texas A&M plays every year. Yeah. But Missouri, that's not the type of schedule Missouri plays every year. And there is some adjustment to that. And maybe this is what it takes Missouri to get to the next level. And the SEC. see, if you see what this competition look, looks like more often. Missouri wouldn't have played Alabama or LSU. They were going to play the two worst teams in the West this year. And that was, that was kind of Eli Drinkwitz getting a break before COVID hit and everything happened. So again, I see this as an opportunity. People are like, man, Missouri got the short end of the stick. And maybe they did in terms of strength of schedule. But there's no changing it now. And why not, you know, they still got the game still gotta be played. And at the end of the day, yeah, things don't probably look good against Alabama. I think they opened up as a 19 point favorite, uh, you know, coming here and 19's uh, maybe not even that generous. I don't know.
1: It's, it's gonna be difficult, but I mean, you gotta look at it as well at whether it's for Alabama, Tennessee, or LSU. They're going through the same thing Missouri's going through, especially with LSU having to replace Joe Burrow as well. It obviously the the amount of talent. And five stars, four star recruits and things like that. There's a difference between your LSU the world, your Alabama's the world and Missouri. But there is a chance to kind of make some noise early in the schedule. And just like you said, you know, there is an opportunity to kind of pass expectations when you have non-conference games and you have you're facing the two weakest SEC West opponents. If you lose those games, even in your first season, that can dramatically kind of you know lower not only the expectations but the kind of buzz that drink has going around him he goes in there and has competitive games against Alabama and LSU that can easily raise the expectations and kind of raise the excitement around this fan base going to, into the rest of the schedule you know when people people ask me at the end of 2020 what what should what
2: will be a success for Drinkwitz at the end of the day if they go two and eight which is possible but yet this buzz and this You know, momentum that he's built, kind of taking over Barry Odom. That seems like he can do no wrong so far in the eyes of Columbia. As long as that's still burning, it doesn't need to be as hot, you know, much of an inferno as it's been at times with his advances in recruiting. As long as it's still a tangible flame at the end of 2020 and going into September 2021 with that season opener season is a success in my opinion you can't I don't think you can really even judge him that harshly for this season at the end of the day I don't think they'll be two and eight I think you're looking at either four and six maybe three and seven if they get hit with the injury bug five and five I think is definitely on the table I don't know where the bowl deadline if there's going to be bowls this year or how that works but I probably go four and six as of right now and that's against this schedule and with a first year head coach you might think, man, four wins out of ten—that's not good.
1: I actually say that is very much a positive. I think it's a complete flip with having Drinkwoods here. Whether instead of going into the season with Barry Odom, because if you have a two and eight season under Barry, he's gone. I think you have a four and six season under Barry. He's gone. Yeah. Genuinely. So it's, it's, you have to keep that optimism. You have to be excited, regardless of the outcomes this year, because this is just, this is a way for Drinkwitch to continue to build and continue to kind of stoke the flames, like you said, of this fan base. And we'll see what happens, but it's definitely, definitely going to be a tough start to the year. Yeah we'll definitely talk more about
2: practice and everything like that. But uh, before I forget, I definitely want to play my interview with our special guest this week. We had on Chad Moller, former assistant athletic director for in the media relations department for Mizzou. Uh, he's no longer with the athletic department due to, uh, I guess, cuts during due to coronavirus, but he took some time to join us about his 25 plus years of Mizzou athletics. And, talk about some of his experiences and, you know, being an SID for Norm Stewart, Quinn Snyder, Gary Pinkle, Barry Odom, Eli Drinkwitz, all of those people. So here's my interview with Chad Muller. joining the mizzou sports podcast this time is chad Muller. so chad why don't you explain who you are because i know you're not a former mizzou player but explain who you are and how you know you relate to kind of the world of mizzou football i guess in particular
0: (laughs) yeah hey uh good to talk to you eric uh appreciate you uh having me part of of the podcast here yeah um Man, I've been associated with the zoo for for a long time. Was a student here back in the late '80s, uh, early '90s. Got on as a grad assistant in the uh, athletic department in the sports information office. Is when '90 fall of '92. Kind of worked my way up the chain, if you will, and uh, ran the media relations slash communications office for oh, I guess a better part of 18 years uh, until just recently. So, uh, yeah, I've been part of uh, a lot of great great moments in Mizzou history really since, uh, you know, 1992 when I started as a grad assistant.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, and due to COVID, Chad is uh, no longer with the athletic department, but I figured we'd have him on, kind of talk about his memories with Mizzou. And, I mean, he's been affiliated with it as a staff member for a long time and still definitely has a lot of love for the university. Kind of take me back to what was – what. On a day to day basis, was your job with Mizzou Athletics? What part of the final product was in your jurisdiction?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think the, the elevator speech to that would be that uh, we were behind the scenes people looking to promote um, the athletic department, um, you know, working with the media um, to promote the the sports the the teams the kids the coaches administrators all the good things going on you know we're the the positive pr uh, arm that's just looking to get all the good stories out there and uh you know lots of different ways that you did that uh, and it, the industry certainly has changed quite a bit over the years you know with the advent of social media really uh the the big driver now. So things changed in how you did the job. Um, you know, when I first started in the early nineties, uh, you know, websites didn't exist. So your only real way to reach, uh, people was through the media. And so, uh, you know, how you interacted with the media and, and, um, you know, the access that they had was a little bit different back then. And, and I'm not saying it's better or worse now. Uh, it just is different. So, uh, you know, um, entities now have their own way of reaching um people fans customers etc you know through their websites through their social media channels um so uh, you know as you know full well the relationships with media is just a little different now and it's just uh, i think it's pretty interesting to to go back and, and look at the changes but yeah just uh you know trying to keep all the the good vibes out there and, and keep people interested in the tigers that's the basic gist of of the job
2: and I, I, if memories are me right, you weren't always just the main contact for the football team. You were you were Norm Stewart's SID back in the day, maybe his final one with the University of that.
0: Yeah, right. yeah, that's that's one thing I, I take great pride in. It's just it's kind of cool to know that I was uh, Coach Stewart's last SID. Uh, had I was with him for his final three seasons. And then after uh, he stepped down uh, was the SID for Quinn Snyder for his first three seasons. And I would like to note for the record that those were the good seasons with Quinn. So, you know, the the good success on the court, um, at least, you know, sporadic success and, and uh, a lot of excitement around him. And, and it was the good PR years, I'd like to say. So, yeah, it was kind of cool to uh, have that distinction.
2: And then when did you switch over to the football side of things?
0: yeah so our director uh, uh, left the office, Bob Brendel, longtime SID2 before me so I need to give him a shout out and, and thank him for giving me my start in the business. Uh, he left in what 2001, I want to say, and I stayed with basketball for one year as a director and then moved over uh, for coach Pinkle's second season here in 2002. And then I was with, with football the rest of the way. So, uh, had an amazing time working for coach Pinkle and getting to know him and, and his program and, and how he likes to run things. And, and just, uh, you know, once he really got his program established, it was, you know, it became a national program and, and it was fun to be part of that on a daily basis and helping, uh, you know, helping people understand what his program was all about. And, uh, you know, some amazing achievements that they did that I got to be part of. And, uh, th- those are things I'll never forget and always be grateful for.
2: After reading Dave matters kind of autobiography or whatever you call it with, uh, uh, we're pink and maybe wrote it together and things like that it's it, it sounded like he, he mentioned you in it and it sounded like you were part of kind of his his small inner circle of guys that kind of just he trusted with either information or whatever it be so to be kind of that close to close to coach pinkel who's so obviously revered in columbia just give us that perspective and you know what was it like to have an up-close view of someone who took mizzou to the number one ranking in the country and you know a lot of other good places
0: yeah, that, that's a really cool part of the job is uh, if, if you do your job right and you do it well and, uh, you know, you build trust with your coaches um, and your administrators and your kids for that matter, but with the coach specifically, since that's your question, um, you know, you are. You're going to be part of that inner circle, and they know they can trust you. You've got the best interest of, you know, his or her program at heart. Uh, and you know you, you've also got the best interest of the athletic department as a whole, and the administrators, and the university too. Uh, those are all things you have to kind of weigh. But uh, it, it is—it's—it's it's really it's um, fun to be part of that inner circle and that that small circle of, of trust, if you will and yeah uh you know getting and it it takes a while to get there you know at first when i started working with coach you know he didn't know me i didn't know him and it it took a while to kind of get to a point where um you know he felt good about my talents and what i had to offer and you know after i don't know a couple two three years maybe you know then we're like you know Uh, lifetime friends and 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 we know exactly what the other thinks before it's said almost and then you know it's just a it's a great relationship from there and it was really fun just navigating that whole his whole career and it's a career that you know i'm hopeful that uh, we can get him in the college football hall of fame someday we've got him nominated uh or i did before before i left and and um you know i think he's got a really good shot you know he's one of uh only three coaches to be the all-time winningest coach At two different schools of course he was at Toledo and now here at Mizzou and the other two names on that list include Bear Bryant and Steve Spurrier so that's a pretty select company and and, um, yeah I'm just hoping we can get that done someday
2: that's that's pretty good uh and just kind of walk me through just uh, you said the sid business and the media business and the sports business really have all kind of changed since you know you said you got your start in 92 not to make you feel old but that's the year i was born Uh, (laughs) i appreciate you mentioning that no no i just well you're a veteran guy you've you've been this is obviously not close to your first rodeo what we're doing here so just why get into the sid business in 92 and what was kind of the biggest change from then to 2019 2020
0: um, did you, you broke up just a little bit there? You, sure. Did you ask why I got into it to start with? Yeah, or what, what, what was the dream and
2: why stay with Missoula Athletics so long? You know, when all the changes kind of the media and sports industry were all kind of happening at once,
0: yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't make any sense when I look back because uh, I, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and yes, I was brainwashed as a child because that's all they have up there. But I did choose to get away from it and become a tiger and and all that. So I I was told people don't hold that against me. I, I chose the good side. But anyway, when I was growing up, you know, um, I always bought. Uh, a nebraska football media guide and a basketball media guide every year and i read it cover to cover memorized all the stats all the records all the history and all that stuff right and so it never dawned on me that somebody's job was to produce those things uh for whatever reason but anyway fast forward to to my college experience here i went through the j school advertising you know little pr and just kind of gravitated toward the advertising and pr side of it and then um I just happened to get a, a break with a, an internship at the show me state games an information PR type internship. And that really just kind of kickstarted me into uh, realizing that that was something I enjoyed doing and, and was, you know, fairly decent at it. And, and that led to an opportunity with uh, Mizzou um, and then, you know, just went from there and was able to hang around for, you know, over 25 years.
2: You obviously got to see a lot of different things. Do you have any when you think of your favorite memories with Mizzou? Does it revolve around people, around events, or how? What do you think of?
0: Yeah, I think it's both. Um, You know, there's specific events that happen that you'll never forget. um, You know, that give you goosebumps when you just, you know, try to remember them and, and go back to thinking about that time. And there's you know way too many to uh, to even kind of go through, but, uh, there's certainly some top ones that stand out that people would probably be able to, to, to get right away. But, um, and it's definitely the people though, you know, my, as you mentioned with my situation, the way, you know, it just happened recently, um, hearing from all the people that I, um, you know, had interactions with over the years of, of my career and heard from so many former student athletes and, um, coaches and, and, you know, people I hadn't talked to in a little while, but they all, you know, it was almost embarrassing the the amount of, of feedback I got, but, uh, it was, it was really humbling and, 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 really cool. And it's, it just makes you, you know, appreciate the fact that, um, uh, you know, the work you put in meant something to people. And, and so that was great, but, um, uh, um, yeah you know so, some of the moments um, you know are, are going to be obvious ones the, the whole 2007 football season and, and just experiencing that and and you know coach pinkles program really becoming for the first time a national program and you know getting to enjoy um, uh, getting helping get chase Daniel to the Heisman ceremony as a finalist and and that whole experience was um, you know uh, just amazing and and then uh, moving to the SEC, you know, was was just an amazing process, and being behind the scenes there for, for all the maneuvering and uh, all all that went into it, it was just an incredible process. And and shoot, there's, you know, I'll never forget Henry Jose's run uh, in 2013 against a And M that that won that game. I mean, that just I, I watched that replay. Anytime I see it and, you know, seven years later, it almost makes me cry every time I see it just because of what he went through to, you know, his injury situation to get back to that point. And I don't know, kind of rambling now, so I'll probably cut it there. But uh, and and there's so many other things, you know, basketball, making a run to the Elite Eight uh, with Coach Snyder in 2002. We were so close. God, I thought we had Oklahoma. Clarence Gilbert, I think, and love the guy always will. He was one of my favorite players ever, but he just had a tough day and he was I think one of 16 from three-point range and we lose by what, two or three points and that could have been our final four and who knows if if that team makes the final four that year, does that change the you know, the trajectory or the, the history of the Mizzou basketball program? Who knows, but uh, Mike Anderson had an amazing run to the Elite Eight and I got to, I wasn't handling basketball then but Dave Ryder, who was our basketball SID at the time, let me come along with him for that entire trip and help him out. And that was such a great team. And uh, and then, of course, Frank Hayes' team, we actually had transition in our office at that time. And I took over handling basketball midway through that season. And I got to be part of that team. And I know that one ended up in Heartbreak in Omaha, but uh, that was such a fun season to be part of, too. And, and, you know, I'm still staying in touch with Kim English to this day and, and a lot of those guys, too. So, yeah, again, rambling on here, so I'll cut it there. But uh, so many memories.
2: No, I was le- letting you go. I, I, this is just a perspective a lot of people don't get to hear. Is you know, there's a. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people kind of maybe know the names from the press releases, and maybe they see our names being in, the, you know, writing writing the stories and being on TV. But just hearing that perspective for you and getting to know the people that are the characters in the stories and the press releases are it's an interesting perspective. And I'm sure there are things you still know that might be, for lack of a better word, confidential information or you know things that are in the athletic department that. You know, haven't made it out to public eye, but just working in that part of the world where you know you might know things before it becomes public information. How how sensitive and how much of a pride did you take in your job? Of okay, once something is out there, it's out there. You know, you obviously are dealing with people's lives here. You know, if something bad gets out there before it's true, you know, it's very similar with you and I in that perspective. So, how much seriousness did you put into a job where, on paper, it doesn't sound that mundane?
0: Yeah. Uh, fortunately, you know, you didn't have situations like that pop up too much, but you know, uh, somebody told me early in my career that, uh, listen, um, if you're in this business for any amount of time, you're going to have tough situations pop up. So, and most of them you can't be prepared for, you know, a lot of them are just random life events that happen. and, And some of them unfortunately are tragic, you know, um, And a lot of them are um, things that you just have to to deal with. And and we always try to, my my main focus, whatever I, I told anybody I was working with behind the scenes, was we gotta learn all the information we possibly can. We gotta try to determine what the facts and the truth are in the situation. And then we just have to react and and do, you know, do our best to do the right thing in terms of how we react. Now, um, and it was tough, uh, I mean, many times and not always, but a lot of times it was tough because of sensitive information and protected information that, you know, you couldn't always put out every bit of facts and and info that, you know, you kind of wanted to be out there that would help explain the situation a little bit better. And I know that's tough for you guys on the media side too, because you're looking to, you know, to discover all the facts and, and get it out there for the public. And, and sometimes uh, the athletic department and the university you know have uh, you know different opinions on what should be out there based on the media so but I always appreciated you and and uh, you know lots of people in the media who I worked with over the years and you know you guys have a job to do and we had a job to do and they de- didn't always meet um, you know at the same spot but we always got it figured out and but yeah that, that was just kind of a dance that you had to go through sometimes and and fortunately it wasn't a lot of tough situations but uh, when they popped up though that was definitely a very a very involved and you know stressful part of the job
2: for sure and i definitely want to kind of end here and kind of go a little bit more positive but obviously now that you're for like a better word a free agent you know do you know what's next for you or what you're kind of looking to get into now that uh you know your time with mizzou has come to an end
0: yeah um I, i'm I'm fortunate that I can take just a little bit of time to, to get things figured out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I haven't been a free agent like you say in, in 25 years, so it, the the job market has changed a little bit since the last time I, I was really looking around. So, got to kind of get my bearings and uh, um, get things figured out. But you know, like, like I alluded to earlier, I've got a uh, ton of people in my corner and, and, uh, you've had a lot of people offer to, to help out how they can. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith and, and I firmly believe that in God's plan and, and, you know, he's just got me going a different direction. So it'll work out in the end, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh don't have anything solid right now, but, uh, like I said, the good news is I can take a little bit of time to, to get it figured out. So I am excited for the next step, whatever it might be
2: and i want to say this just before i forget sean i mean obviously i'm entering now year two here on the mizzou beat and full discretion even though kind of i was involved in 2018-19 i wasn't the main guy that was danny and cam but you know year one wouldn't have been as fun without you i know sometimes you know your job is mundane and it's adult babysitting of wrangling the media together but a lot of (laughs) a lot of the time it's a lot of fun and i can say for a fact no matter the ups the downs or whatever happened and definitely a unique year of 2019 uh, oh, man uh, it no was, doubt it was no doubt unique but it definitely wouldn't have been as fun without you you know just pulling the strings and being there for all of us you know media folk who had to travel and go through everything so i i, I very much
0: appreciate you chad uh, uh i appreciate you saying that It uh yeah I enjoyed being part of it too and uh you know hope that uh hope that you guys have fun going forward i it, it's weird to think i won't be part of it but uh, i'll enjoy watching it from afar
2: I guess we'll leave on this note to kind of bring you full circle is you did get a front row seat to at least for the first six months of Eli Drinkwitz. And, you know, what type knowing that you got to know him at least a little bit, not like you got to know Coach Odom or Coach Pingle or Coach Snyder or Coach Stewart, I guess, like we've already explained. But from the little bit, you know about him, you know, what type of man is the lead in the Mizzou football program right
0: now? I'm excited, and you know, I guess now I'm just an alum, uh, a, a former advisor to him, if you want to call it that. But I enjoyed my time working with uh, Coach Drinkwitz. Um, he was great to me. I, you know, I thought we had a great relationship, and uh, I, I think he'd agree if he asked him. But uh, I was excited, in, in the little time I was with him, um, he's got a great feel for. Um, you know, the role that I'm in and the role that, you know, my, my uh, uh, teammate, Sean Davis, who now is going to take over going forward for football. And I'm excited for Sean. He's going to do a great job. Um, But coach drink has a great feel for PR. Um, He is going to be so good uh, in terms of, Oh, you know, getting the program out there to the fans and, and getting them excited, and I think it's it's evident from you know what you see out there that he's already done a good bit of that, and so I'm excited for that. You know, from the PR perspective, he's going to be great to work with. Um, you know, obviously, SEC is a heck of a league, and <laughs> didn't uh, Mizzou didn't get any favors with uh, the additions late of uh, Alabama and LSU. Shoot, week one and week three. It's like, wow, welcome to the league, Eli. But, uh, you know, I I think uh, obviously things have to go right on the field, keep guys healthy, do good in recruiting. But uh, I'm excited to see him go to work. I think he's got a great staff, just a a really sharp, uh, engaging a um, bunch of guys who, who do things the right way, just just really good guys. You know, from again, not a, a great amount of time I was with them, but I'm a pretty good judge of character. I like to think, and, and I think he's got a, a great staff, and I'm excited to see what they uh, what they can do. And they get to roll their sleeves up and go to work.
2: And that was, once again, Chad Moeller, uh, former SID, which for those of you who, I know we mentioned the term a few times, stands for Sports Information Director, but your term was, I guess, Assistant Athletic Director for Communications or something along those lines when you were with Mizzou Athletics. Uh, Where can people kind of find you these days? if they want to get in contact with you or, you know, they want to reach out to you about any kind of help they
0: can provide or anything like that, Chad? Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot i think most people know how to to reach me nowadays my cell phone if you have it is staying the same so i'm not gonna give it over on this podcast of course don't want to do that but yeah if if you have my cell phone number it's staying how it is my university email is good for a little while but uh i guess twitter at chadmo1 is my uh my handle there so we'll keep that and uh you know don't have a lot to say on it right now but uh, we'll get back to it at some point i'm sure
2: anything else you want to add chad i, I know that uh, i want to kind of give you an open forum here anything else you want to add or just you know leave it here with uh kind of uh being the former football sid
0: oh you know i um obviously things didn't end the way i was uh expecting them to um you know with my career at mizzou but you know i'll always love the place um you know shoot i had a what more than 25 year run when you count my ga years and and you know I, I wouldn't change it for the world. So just, uh, uh, look back with great fondness. And, uh, um, now I get to be an alum. Now I get to be one of those people that, uh, you know, sits in the stands and, and, uh, hopefully cheers more than, than anything, but, uh, you know, shoot, I can, uh, i can write uh, letters to the editor now and and uh, really give my opinion right
2: <laughs> I, I think we'd appreciate that here at the tribune if, if you actually were interested in doing that i wouldn't mind that at all uh but uh thank thank you so much chad and I, i'm sure we'll be in contact in the future you're still here in columbia and uh yeah thank you so much for kind of opening up the curtain a little bit and joining us here today
0: you got it man uh, my pleasure appreciate it and uh we'll catch you soon We'd like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare.
1: University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong. Here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast.
2: Thank you once again for Chad Moore for joining us. Definitely spent a lot of time with us breaking down his Mizzou career. Uh, Before I go any further, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop at your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And you and I were just talking off camera, Langston, and we, we talk about Zaxby's all the time, and you and I haven't been in forever. I need to go get my kickin' chicken sandwich. I really do. You,
1: you took the words right out of my mouth. The only thing I really get from Zaxby's is the kickin' chicken sandwich is the staple
2: yeah I, I can taste that toast with the zach sauce i i, I just i need i need that just too, a hint of ranch as well it's it's perfect by the time we're, we're talking tonight's game five i'm a huge hockey fan caps islanders i need some bit of luck some the Felix felices for you harry potter fans out there to help the caps not get eliminated tonight from the NHL playoffs and maybe going to get Zach's this is my liquid luck that i need i need to go get but back to the mizzou part of this uh we were talking about camp here and uh Langston brought up a really good idea off camera already and uh you know we have to cover camp this year but I have not been to camp once and the media only in the month of August is allowed to be at camp for about 30 minutes on three different practices two of them have already happened and the other one is tomorrow Friday and that's only for photographers and videographers to shoot 30 minutes here and there where they're not really doing a whole bunch of team stuff it's a lot of warm-ups and you know stretching and you know basic routes and stuff and that's it and so we have to kind of cover the team and from that perspective like jersey number changes those are something that i have to kind of figure out just in social media like trey williams switched from 93 to zero the first year ncaa allows it cj boone switched from 10 to zero joshua Bledsoe switched from 18 to one like those are just things i have to kind of figure out on the fly
1: and yeah, and and we brought this up, you know, weeks ago. But it also kind of adds to the mystery of Coach Drinkwitz not naming a quarterback. Now you're not at practice to see who's t- getting those first team reps, who's getting the bulk of that, and who's really with the second team as well. It's really is going to be a surprise. And I, I know Drinkwitz already came out and said he will not name a starter before Alabama, but we, it really will be a surprise and who starts uh, against Nick Saban. Well, well, here's the thing, and Drinkwitz. What I think he
2: meant was he's not going to publicly announce a starter. Now, I think the team will full well know at least a week before who's starting. <laughs> and if the media is allowed to attend practice, the first team guys usually practice with the first team guys. I wouldn't put it past with to try and throw us off the trail, but at the end of the day, and one thing you learn from being on the beat, is how they practice right before a game is 100% how they line up in that first series. So whoever takes the first bout of snaps— in pregame warm-ups, is going to be your starting quarterback. So we'll know about probably an hour before kickoff definitively, but we'll have some shot of having some idea before that 20, September 26th kickoff should there still be a season, which I think is worth saying because of the COVID numbers. But anyway, uh, against so you know that, that kickoff's about 30, I think in my head it's 37 days away. So it's just, yeah, we'll ha- we, ha- we should have some sort of an idea. And, you know, there really are four options. Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer, kind of seen as the Clubhouse favorite because of his experience and his potential. Taylor Powell, been the backup the past two years about Drew Lock and Kelly Bryan. Connor Baselak coming off the torn ACL, but started and looked pretty good in that Arkansas game before the injury. And then the true freshman, Brady Cook from Chaminade. Do you think Robinson has the uh, clear edge here? Or what, what sense do you
1: have of it, Langston? I it's much harder like i already said earlier without kind of your institutional knowledge of being at camp and being there but it it would seem like it's sean robinson's job to lose just because he has the most experience he he, well he was under um obviously barry odom last year but he should have the most experience coming into the year and i would expect it to be his job but it really is wide open at this point yeah and there's tons of other
2: position battles and the offensive line has to replace a couple people, although I'd be pretty shocked if three starters aren't locked in. And Larry Borum, Case Cook, and the grad transfer Mike maietti It looks like hiring White might be one of the big choices, kind of to take over, I guess, for your Cedar rant spot at left tackle. Uh, a couple other guys in the mix. Dylan Robinson seems to be impressing a lot from what we've seen from the team, and we've got a lot of access to players, but it is via Zoom, so we've gotten, I think. 14 players over the past three days which is cool but you know and th- drink what three times but we still have to kind of get everything under control with getting back to practice and when that's safe to do because i haven't attended anything with Zoo athletics in person since march so uh, and, and i think i played uh, i played the clip for you guys a little earlier of uh my dog bailey kind of being on that zoom call uh yesterday but you know just, that, that's just what happens uh, and on Zoom is, you know, my dog wanted to play and be a part of our conversation about the offensive line and gets the uh, attention of Eli Drinkwood. So that's kind of, I guess it's not, it, that's just, I guess, being a part of this culture of being having all the access, but yet being from afar to stay safe, health wise.
1: And another note about the offensive line changes. Changes, you know, a, a little note from your article earlier this week talking about those changes with the offensive line. Here's a quote from uh, Drinkwitz: "I don't know anything about last year. I didn't watch last year's tape. Last year was last year. I got fresh ideas, fresh per- perspective. Whether everyone." whatever anyone does now is what they do now for me and i thought that was a really interesting comment on approaching rebuilding that offensive line when you do have two returning starters and then you do have a transfer from records who you would have to assume will be a starter but how much of that do you think is kind of coach speak you know last year was last year i need to see what they do in camp i need to see what they do under my system and how much do you think really kind of believe Drinkwitz is you know bringing that approach to camp this year he did say right after that that he has seen the games for
2: schematic reasons and that's it and that's what he meant. I think that's legitimate. I mean, what good does looking up the tape of Mizzou against Simo Lester do for him? What good is watching that performance against Arkansas outside of maybe watching Taylor Powell and how he addresses an offense do for him? You know, at the end of the day, what the plans are and what the personnel really is for Drinkwitz compared to 2019 Barry Odom, there is enough difference there where I think he would have watched bits and pieces to get a sense of the current roster, like the troubles Larry Roundtree had at the end of last year and how he can use Jalen Knox in an offense. And defensively, I mean, maybe that's why he's relying on the Ryan Walters of the world who were not only there but coached in those games, so they have that intellect of how to coach a Jarvis Ware or a Nick Bolton or a Kobe White side. So I, I I think that it's legitimate. I think it just took us all by surprise, like, you know, you're, you're jumping into this huge, you know, corporation here and you haven't seen the most recent, you know, filings from the corporation, if you, if you will. It, it's interesting, but Drinkwood's definitely is beat, you know, marches the beat of his own drum. So it's not the most shocking thing in the world. I just think that it caught us all a little off guard in terms of, really, you, you didn't even watch just for fun last year? I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, App State beat South Carolina two weeks and it was the most recent game for South Carolina after South Carolina lost to Missouri. So he didn't even watch that Missouri film against South Carolina to see how he could beat the Gamecocks last year. I don't know. But uh, I found that I found, we, we all found that interesting.
1: Definitely. And, you know, for me personally, the first when I first read it, I was like, oh, that's just coach speak." He's just, you know, that's something that, you know, coaches want to say. And, you know, it's all about your performance right now in camp. But I mean, from hearing your perspective, that would be really, really interesting if he was being 100 percent forthcoming and and honest about that.
2: Yeah, I, I, Drinkwitz isn't the guy, I think, to hype us all up. And you heard actually an interview with Chad where, you know, Coach Drinkwitz understands the PR aspect of things a little bit better than Barry Odom does. Definitely. And that's me saying because I, after working with Coach Odom, that not Coach Odom didn't understand it. I just don't think he utilized it to its fullest potential. I'm not saying that wasn't part of his strategy to kind of shut that down, but I, I think that this, the, the little bit of difference between Drinkwitz and Odom are obvious. And not the one's better than the other, but we seem to get a little bit more of those viral moments under drinkwits which is not a bad thing in my opinion but uh yeah so that's kind of where everything stands uh mizzou is still pretty far away from playing their first game um every other fall sport is back in practice uh we haven't had any access with them yet but you know the fall sports championships were canceled um so everything but football is gonna have to wait until the spring or the winter to have their championships held we don't know how that's kind of gonna affect the volleyball cross-country soccer teams at mizzou but we have, and i'd love to ask that question but we haven't had any access with josh or mark or brian brian blitz uh yet so we'll see we'll see where that goes uh and yeah there's there's still plenty more to talk about and hope and finally we get to talk about some actual football hopefully there's not a spike in covid cases at mizzou although i think i don't i haven't been on campus that much to see how much people wearing masks i've seen pretty contradictory things like you know, a couple of my friends went on campus after getting Chipotle. Like, oh, everybody's wearing masks. But like, a couple student athletes have said, like, I don't see anybody wearing masks. So, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is. But maybe maybe you have a better idea for that than I do, like
1: You know, you, you don't want to get down the rabbit hole, and I know we both personally don't want to have every you know conversation on this podcast be about COVID nineteen. But it's hard to not think the worst when you see what what has happened at North Carolina UNC this past week where they go from they have start they have one week of classes and switch to online only because of clusters throughout different dormitories on their campus so you can only hope that uh, Missouri and other schools in the SEC take that seriously because the uh, ACC is trying to continue to push through UNC has suspended all athletic activities, I believe, through they suspended them yesterday through today at 5 p.m. Hopefully they will be able to continue playing football or continue practicing in some type of capacity. But, you know, there's a fear. You know, Coach Drinkwitz, um, Coach Mac Brown at UNC has kind of kept things under control over the summer, but now you're introducing 30,000 kids who honestly don't care whether you can play football or not. They want to do what they want to do. So, it's it's a lot of added factors and a lot of added stress that I know a lot of football programs across the country are weighing and thinking about right now. So far, so good on that aspect from
2: Missouri, but that could change any moment. And I definitely am speaking, I think, for Langston when I say I hope that never happens, and I hope that we get to have the fall football, football season as planned, because Langston's main beat is the high school beat, and they start in nine days or eight days playing games. The fir- Week one is what? August 28th? August and then- 28th. And then by the time Missouri starts, I think the week of the Providence Bowl. So it's crazy. So, yeah, anything else you want to add? We kind of went over the COVID stuff. Anything else you want to add before we end this episode? I continue to wear a mask. And, you know, if you want to watch football, do your part. Hopefully this is more of a football-centric episode. For Langston Newsome, I'm Eric Blum. Thanks for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. And we'll check you guys next time. Bye.